Aloha basketball fanatics and welcome to our second episode, our podcast Beyond the X's and O's, the true stories behind youth basketball. Welcome coaches. My name's Coach Mel. We got Coach Lance, Coach Tom Tran, hey, hey. and Coach Bob with us again. The, the fearsome foursome, I guess they can call us, right? Call us something. I'm trying to give us trying to give us a cool name right now. So, um, all right, so our topic today, this is, uh, this could stir the pot a little bit. This is about players playing for multiple teams. Now, I know we coach all different levels, and this can be, uh, I'm going to give my take, my opinion, of course, and, uh, and we'll just kind of carry on, and if we can piggyback off of each other, great. So, I feel players playing for multiple teams – and I think we talked about this a little bit off the, off the uh, podcast, coaches. But I, I feel it depends on the program and the coaching on what they are trying to accomplish. I feel, you know, if you're trying to create, you know, um, a, a good vibe, uh, team chemistry, if you're trying to develop players, you know, I'm a firm believer in not playing for multiple teams. Um, and then, you know, if you're out to just get the wins and you're making, you know, the super teams, as they would call them nowadays, and you're just there to, to win and get championships and feed the ego, then, you know, by all means, you know, it's, it's to each his own. Uh, I feel, this is my opinion, I, I'm a little bit, I go both ways. And I'm, I'm just, it's just me coaching from a very, you know, young to now, you know, they're getting older going into high school. Um, I felt in the beginning when you got kids from 8U to about, I would say, 12U, which is like sixth grade, I think it's extremely important to keep them together as long as you can. Um, I've had, you know, numerous parents, assistant coaches that don't know what the hell they're doing, tell me, hey, we need to let these kids play on multiple teams. And that was just my only rule when I had these kids from, you know, 8U to 12U. My only rule at the time was let's try to keep the boys together. Let's focus on the chemistry of the team. It's, ext it's extremely important. We know how it is with chemistry. And when you got kids that hop around from team to team and you got parents that claim at such a young age, oh, my kid can make adjustments. My kid can make adjustments. It's like, no, I don't think they can. You think they can, but like my coaching style, Coach Lance's coaching style, Coach Bob, Coach Tom, they're all different. So when you got a nine-year-old, 10-year-old trying to make adjustments on different coaching styles, negative, Ghost Rider. It's not going to work. Um, I, I think, and I always tell my, like, you know, one of my ex-assistant coaches, you know, he brought to me one evening, I think the boys were like, fifth grade and fourth grade that I was coaching and he came up to me and he was just like, uh, Hey, we need, you need to change your rule. And I said, change my rule about what? And he said, I think you need to change your rule about playing for multiple teams because a lot of these boys are, you know, they're being asked. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's good news. I mean, that means they're doing something good. People are noticing it. That's great. But if they want to go play for other teams, then that this is not the team for them. I'm trying to create a chemistry. I don't, I don't care even if they're uh, – and if he wants to go play with multiple teams, then, you know, bye. It's all good. 
And I think people are so caught up in the, I call it the AAU hype. They get caught up in the AAU hype about the wins and the teams and the losses. And I'm like, I can give a damn, you know? In, in the very beginning, I was so worried about keeping everybody happy. And then after like, you know, I, I look at AAU as like dog years. One year for every seven years because you <laughs> learn so much coaching AAU basketball. I mean, it doesn't matter what level, you know, but I'm just saying though, it's like dog years. And so uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't a believer of that, especially with the younger ages. Now, I always told my parents and assistant coaches, I said, hey, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So there's going to be a time, especially when they hit that seventh, eighth, not, you know, that's when they're going to be able to, I mean, I feel ready for multiple teams and it's okay because they got, you know, school teams and, you know, um, so I, I was just a firm believer in that, you know. Um, now my program, we would, we play 11 months out of the year. So there's really not that much time to play for other teams, but I also did have, um, a player on my team. He's still playing with me now, um, who plays with a couple other teams. And I knew he did from the beginning. And all I asked the parent, which is, it's just communicate with each other. As long as we communicate everything is fine. I don't have a problem. But when you start sneaking behind my back and lying to me, it's like, we're, we're grown adults here. There's no need to lie. Just be honest. And sure. if you want to play for another team, I'm okay with that. But I just asked that Hawaii Heat be the priority team. And they honored that. And we've had a great relationship, you know. Now, I did notice when I'm okay with it, and let's just say we'll use Hardwood Palace as an example. You know, I have, you know, my Hawaii Heat team playing. One of the players is going to go off and play um, with another team, and I know about it. But the boys on the team don't know about it, and then they see that. It almost causes like a little division between the team, and they'll come running up to me saying, Coach, 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 do you know so-and-so is playing for so-and-so right now? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, yeah, I confirmed it. We're good. And, and they're just like, oh, okay. And, but I could tell just by the tone that it's already formed. Not, I want to say like an alliance, but, you know, that's, it, it's almost like, uh, okay, he's, he's part of that team. He's not really about us. So it, it can cause friction um, with the team when you have a player that players that play for multiple teams. Now, like I said, you know, listeners out there, all, all four of our listeners that are listening to this, <laughs> just remember, I'm saying there's a certain age for multiple teams. And I just feel from, this is my opinion now, from 8U to 12U, you try to keep them together. I mean, I was, I'm fortunate to have most of my boys be with me for about four years, you know, some of them five, six years. Um, but for the most part, I've had my boys for all of them for about four years, excluding the newer players that I got. So, and, and, you know, coaches, you've seen my team kind of go through this metamorphosis. I mean, we weren't always just such a dominant team. I don't want to call us dominant, but in the, I would say in, in, in Placer County, I would say they're, they're pretty well known. They're pretty solid for their age group, which is class of 2024. It didn't come like that though. You know, everyone thinks, Oh, gosh, yeah, he just goes and gets these players. No. I mean, I had one of my best players on my team that couldn't even make a left-handed layup. 
and he shot his free throws with two hands. Shout out to CJ Walker. I love you, boy. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Coach Mel is just keeping it real because people think they see CJ and he's a beast now. And he wasn't like that, though. He worked his butt off. And I think kids and parents don't understand. Um, you have to work your ace off. I don't care. I mean, you know, that old saying, no days off. He worked at his game and worked at his game. And, you know, and granted, he, you know, he doesn't come with a background with a lot of money. So he wasn't doing, like, special trainings and one-on-ones and all this. But he took his ass to the park and he shot free throws and he worked at his game and him and his dad were shooting. And he turned into like and one of my best players. Not only that though, in a couple big tournaments, he took MVP of the tourney, all tourney. I mean, I'm so proud of what he's accomplished, but I just think that parents and kids don't realize um, the work that you need to put in. Like kids, parents, they think, oh, we're just gonna train for three months. Oh, my kids should be good. No, it's like, I mean, we'll just use Kainoa as an example. My son, I mean, he's been training, gosh, coach. He's been with what? I'm possible training ever since he was like five or six years old. A long time. And, and so it just, it just goes to show you that um, I think people are always after that sprint and not, not realizing it's a marathon. And, and um, you know, as far as, you know, players playing for multiple teams. I mean, now that my boys are older, you know, I mean, I coach them through seventh and eighth grade and definitely I have them venture off and play with, of course they have to play for their schools and like, you know, sometimes their middle school coaching or coaches are going to have a little, you know, AAU tournament. And I, and I honor that. I'm like, hell yeah, that's what we worked for. Go for it. Now, now blossom like the little flower you are. <laughs> so, but anyways, that's kind of like, you know, my take on it, I think when it comes to developing players, creating chemistry, the longer you can keep them together, just don't think the grass is greener on the other side. Parents, if you're out there listening, players, you know, um, a lot of my players, they get asked to play for other teams. And, you know, for the most part, they take it as a compliment. I've even approached the parents and let them know you'll be approached and they never got this attention before. So when their kid gets this attention and they start getting attention, meaning the parents, I told them, embrace it. It feels good. You know, you guys busted your butt off. That's kind of like a, uh, a pat on the back for you. Um, but my boys and my parents are so loyal and we have such an open line of communication that there's no drama. You know, I've been there, done that. Um, I think we've all been there, done that. Um, but I just try to stay away from that drama. And as long as they keep like an open line of communication on what they want to do and you can make things work out, then by all means, but there's no rush on playing for seven teams. You know, there really isn't. You will have that time. I think the right thing to do as parents and, and players is, and coaches is just keep the boys together, keep them or your girls, keep them together as long as you can in the, in the long run, it'll benefit not only the team, but individual players too, as well. Um, because as they get better together, and even if you got the players that are on the bench, eventually when it's their time to shine and they're going to go play for their other school or their other team or whatever it may be, they're going to be that person that, that they're going to be that guy or that girl, you know? So, um, I mean, that's just kind of my take. And if, and if one of you coaches want to piggyback off of that, or if you guys have some, 
some intake or insight on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, Coach, Judge Mal, I, I mean, I think I've, I've told you before, is I, I've kind of evolved in this area. I, um, the way I started was I, I, I would allow it. I, I was okay with, with players playing on the other team as long as my team was the priority. And what I mean by that, it wasn't, it, it wasn't just lip service. It was, look, if I call the practice tonight and you have a practice with another team, you don't go. And, and, and my rule was, and I know we've talked a little bit about, hey, if you are going to play for another team and we're playing in a tournament, you know, make sure we're not in the same bracket or, you, you know, you always come to our games. Mine was you didn't play in that tournament. So if, if, if you played for another team and we decided we were going to be in that tournament, you didn't play for that other team at all. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if you're in the same bracket, age group. It didn't matter. You just didn't play for the other team. That, that was where I was. I was – that was my strictness. I didn't care that you played somewhere else. Uh, but you touched on um, a piece that, 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 that was my turning point. It was, it was, it, it messed with the chemistry of the team. And what, what I mean by that is, like you said, the other players would see the other, the other player playing on another team and go, Hey, wait a minute. Why are you playing with them? You like them better than us? Or, you know, are, are you, are you telling them our plays? Are you giving up our strategies or are, you know, are you trying to go to that team full time? And it, it kind of drove a wedge in, in the, the chemistry of the team. So as, as I progressed as a coach, I kind of flipped to the other side to where it was like, look, I don't want you playing for other teams. Uh, I, I quite honestly, it's, it's not something that, that, I, I forbid per, 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 per se, but it's one of those things where as a parent, from, from, from a parent's perspective, it was, look, your, your responsibility, your commitment is to this team. If you can't do that, that's fine. That's fine. You can go play for other teams and we'll find somebody else. Uh, because, you know, the way that, you know, most, the, the way that the four of us really build our teams, it's not uh, usually an all-star type of a team. We, we take a team and we, we, we make them better and we get better as we progress. You know, we might start, start the year as not so great in the year as, as a pretty good team. The next year we build on that and we get better and better and better, add pieces. Um, and, and it's, it's it, I, I don't need players going back and forth between teams because that doesn't help with my philosophy and on how I'm trying to build the team. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm now today, I don't like it. I, I will say that there are, you know, there, the, the big thing now is, Hey, I'm playing AU, but I might want to go play at courtside, or I might want to play at Hardwood Palace on Friday night. And it, for me, okay, I, I get that. That's fun. That's that's cool for the kids to just come, go out and, and 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 try new things. You know, work on something they've been trying in, in training, uh, make mistakes there, and then bring that back to to my team. Uh, but at the same time, I I, I don't let I, I don't let them play in, in those type of games if we've got a big tournament that weekend. I, I, I've seen too many times where, you know, a player might be out Friday night goofing around and they turn an ankle, ankle and we're in the Bay Area on, on Saturday for a big tournament they, or, or we're traveling and your parents have paid, you know, you know uh, travel fees and hotels and tournament fees and everything else and you're going to sit and watch because you've turned your ankle. So uh, that's my take on that. Yeah. How about you, Coach Tom? You you coach with the the older ones, so you and you've got a ton of kids. I don't know. I think I mean I, I'm mixed about this. I, I always talk about I think I'm old school where I always tell people I rock with who rocks with me. So I think if they're gonna play, they play on the one team. I think uh I've been on 
other clubs before and you know everyone pays a fee and I think what happens sometimes is you know when I first started coaching it was all about winning right and so in my mindset when I was young I thought winning was the most important thing because you win you get to keep the kids you make everyone happy and we were borrowing kids from the club you know this kind of sidetrack but we were borrowing kids from our own club but it wasn't often need like we had enough kids I always think if you have you know, eight to 10 kids and you have enough kids that you practice with, you don't need to borrow anyone. And we were borrowing kids within the club just to win. And, you know, said that we won these championships. And I think what ends up happening with that is you don't show faith in the kids that you have. And it just puts a sour taste in everyone, right? Because everyone pays the same amount of fees and then you're borrowing kids to play. And so I think that was one. Um, I think now, like both coaches were saying, I think there's a lot of people are barring kids, you know, just for a term or whatever it is to win. Um, I've just never been that way. And so I think kind of like what coach Bob says, I mean, anyone could sprain an ankle on warmups, any games. And when you do it on one side, you're, I feel like you're almost letting your teammates down because essentially you're just going to play that one or two games and you go here. And, you know, I've talked to coach Mel about this before, you know, we're all in the same club. We've had Kainoa play with the older kids, but it's only when, we needed someone or if Mel's Hawaii Heat team's not playing, right? And I think I just have a sour taste of there's teams that we go against and we're competitors. And even if we're not playing them and it's an off weekend, those kids playing with those teams. And um, I know it happens, but I think at the same time, I always tell kids and families that I have too many kids to worry about. So I shouldn't be tracking people down. I think like what Mel said, as long as you're open about it, but if you're not open and then also I see you or, and someone else sees you and they come and approach me, I'm like, Hey, I don't know what's going on. You know, you saw this person. And I've had numerous parents tell me, you know, Hey, so-and-so is doing this. Well, I don't know this. Right. And so I have a same thing. And I always tell people, just be open with me, you know, with me, with a lot of us, you know, for me, I have like 87 kids I have to worry about. So I'm not tracking down all these kids, but I just always feel like whatever kids you have, Win or lose, that's whatever kids show up to the tournament, that's who you play with, right? And so I've played other clubs in these past couple months in UBC, and they always say, well, I don't have my players, and they're playing on a different team. Well, then don't play in this tournament. Like, the, you show with who, who you show up with. And so, um, yeah, I just think you just stick to one team. I think, like Coach Mel said, I've seen Mel's team from those kids from, whatever, fourth grade until sixth grade, seventh and eighth, and I think – when you have a team that is cohesive like that, it sometimes might not be like, say, the greatest like individual players, but, but team-wise, you can win a lot of games as a team because they all know their role and they've all been through it together. And, you know, for my girls' team the last couple of years, when we first started, it was a – I mean, we would win a lot of games, we would lose a lot of games, but they got a lot better towards their very end of their years because they start trusting one another, right? And so – there was a lot of people that were wanting to come in to, hey, be a guest player or whatever. And it was like, no, we don't need that because it, it's going to ruin the whole dynamic of the group. Um, so, yeah, I just think you play with what you have. I just think it sometimes puts a, a bad taste in your families um, within your club. Because if you have, you know, 10 kids and all of a sudden you're born two or three kids and now you have 12 or 13, what does that say about your 10 kids and their families? Yeah, you might bar two studs and you might win, but are your other 10 families that have been dedicated to you, 
um, going to be loyal to you now because if you're just taking kids to take kids, I just don't right. think so. Right. Coach Mel's raising his hand. Yeah, you know what? Um, like what you just said, Coach Tom, I always tell my boys, my parents, because I would get, and I'm sure, I mean, all of us have gotten these, you know, direct messages saying, hey, my son is available this weekend. Can we guest play? And it could be the biggest, the best player in the area wanting to play. Um, but I won't do that. I don't care about, I don't care how good they are, you know. Um, and I've coached this player before. And I would let some of the parents know. And they go, oh, my gosh, coach, that would be awesome if this person played for us this weekend. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. And the parents get caught up in that hype of AAU and winning. And then when I say no, they take a step back and go, you're right. Because, I mean, what is that telling my players? You know, you guys aren't good enough. We're going to have this player come and play for us. I said, no. I tell my parents and my players, I said, I'd rather lose with the team I have now than win some big tournament with two players guest playing on my team. I'd just rather do that. I, I feel you, uh, you learn so much when you lose as a team and you win as a team. It makes winning that much more satisfying, you know? I mean, I, you know, I, I came to the point where I don't fault anyone that does it, right? Because everyone does it now, mm -hmm. right? For the betterment of your group and your kids, like the kids I have, it just will go a lot longer way for me not taking guest players just to win a game because it almost shows like I have no faith in my players. Right. I've seen it to where you know, some of these, these coaches and programs almost use it as a recruiting tactic, too, just yeah. to try to pry players yeah. away from other teams. So, and that's, that's another piece that I'm leery about is, you know, because I, I know how grimy some of these people can be. And, and you know, I got a, a kid going over there and say, it, it, Coach Paul, you said it, it, grass is always greener. I mean, that's, that's the thing that happens. People go, oh, wow, you know, this program asked me to come over and, you know, they're promising me all of this, you know, playing time. I'm going to be this and that. I, we've seen it a ton of times. They go over to these programs and they're like, hey, I'm going to be the next uh, best thing since sliced bread. They show up and they don't, they don't get what they're promised. And then they try to come back to us and, you know, that doesn't work that way. You know, toilet flush is one way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or how about, or how about this kiss of death, Coach Bob? How about this one? When a parent says, Oh, uh, you know what? We're going to go play with uh, an elite team this weekend, okay? And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, then don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out because you're not coming back to this party. Coach, and then they have the audacity to text you or call you and say, hey, coach, uh, can we come back? Uh, we're ready to play this weekend. You're like, uh, nope. <laughs> we're good. We're going to go with what we got. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, for me, I think that it's that uh, that's one of the big things is the communication, right? Everybody mentioned communication about if you're going to be playing for another team or if you if you got asked to play. Um, I think the communication also goes the other way from the coach to the parents and the players is if they do decide to go play for another team or play with another club, um, that as the coach. I mean, in my opinion, I would be the next, the conversation I have with them is, okay, well, you understand that if you do that, then this is, this is, you know, it, it, we're not going to just hold the spot just because you want to go play for another team, another, another team or another club. Um, I mean, I think there are exceptions 
you know, obviously when they get to high school, there's feeder clubs. I mean, there's the feeder teams with, with their high school um, and things like that, that they, you know, that they should play with. Um, and even, even in middle school now, they, they're starting to have um, feeder teams and things like that to their school teams. And, you know, I, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's okay that they play with those teams because I think they should, I think they should play with those teams to get to know their kids they'll be playing with in middle school and high school. Um, uh, other, and uh, another kind of a unique situation is like with the, my younger team, I have a couple of girls that play with our, our boys. And one of the girls uh, plays with another girl's team. And the mom talked to me about it. And I, I was totally fine with her playing with an all girls team because I eventually want them to play with an all girls team. <laughs> Not that I don't want, want, want that, that uh, player on my team. I just, I think that it's better eventually that's what, you know, they're not going to be able to play with the boys the whole time. So um, in a situation like that, in my opinion, I think that that's, that that's okay. I personally don't, don't like to see players run into the bathroom and changing a Jersey after, you know, and changing into two or three jerseys after every game um, just to, just so they can get an extra game in or more playing time or, or, you know, or whatever the reason is that they're doing that. It, to me, I, I just think it's, I, I think it's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason they're doing, there's obviously a reason. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think badly about those kids or their parents. I mean, obviously they're making a decision for a reason. Yes. Coach Mel. My, uh, my boys, my boys call those players UCs or uniform collectors. They call them <laughs> have, you know, six, five, they, it's funny because I think kids or parents, I should say, it's almost like a bragging thing. Like, oh, my kid plays for 16. It is. And it that's, is. It's, a, it's, a, it's like an ego thing, right? Oh, I play for four different teams, you know? And uh, the only uniform, you know, Kainola has is uh, a NorCal Dynasty uniform, and that's it. <laughs> well, and, and, and 27 white heat jerseys. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, just a little sneak peek for you guys since we're on the podcast. There is a Black Panther tribute Hawaii Aww, Heat. Of course there is. <laughs> uh, you know, the boys kind of inspired me and they were like, Coach, we should get Black Panther to honor Black Panther. Uh, and I'm like, huh, okay. Maybe we can do that. If I were those kids, I would start just naming everything. <laughs> yeah. no they, they do they do they're like we should get an iron man one and a spider-man they want to do like a marvel theme and i'm like no dude no. you know but on a serious note, on, fun fact i don't know if you guys know this but it's happened this was a this was a hardwood palace rule probably god this is probably had been like at least five or six years ago you could only play within your club they would not let you play technically if someone like reported you um, they basically would just like ban you from that game. They would not let you play on multiple teams. So you could only play within your club. So if, you know, if Coach Bell had three different Hawaii Heat teams and they were playing at different ages and you had a young kid that could play up, that could happen. But they would not let you play kind of like the Reno rule or Tahoe rule where you could not jump from team to team, even if it did not conflict. Um, and I always felt like that would be like a game changer. I know it would be hard to track. But if people did that, you would almost see start seeing true colors of who's going to play where almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Hey, uh, Coach, I, I know that you, you remember this, and I'm not going to name names, but we had, we had a, um, a player um, a girl who trained with us, and every Sunday she would come and train. And, of course, Sundays, it's, it's, if we're training at night, it's the end of the weekend. She would come and say, yeah, I played like 13 or 14 games this weekend. And right. play for yeah four teams. <laughs> At some point, how many games is enough, right? I mean, this this kid would come in, she would be dragging butt coming into training. It's like okay, thirteen games. Yeah, going to be going a hundred percent all thirteen games, right? One day is already a lot because I was typical. By the third game, it's usually the ugliest game. It doesn't. Oh, I don't, wow. The third game never counts sometimes, right? It's always the first two games, but. Three games in one day, especially for, you know, I'm at any age, but especially for, like, I would say a high school kid, right? For the – how hard they play sometimes, it's, like – that. I mean, it's just that's already too much. I think two games sometimes is probably, like, an ideal format. Yeah. 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 I agree. It's my, it's, especially the style Coach of the play. It's sort of like, like uh, referees, too, you know, when referees are refing eight games, you're like – Come on, man! I know okay. you're not. I on know that. you're not gonna give me all the. Don't freaking give me started on that. Spot, you know. That's a whole nother podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> I hey, I ask, I ask them all the time. Hey, what game is this? They're like, oh, I'm on my sixth. I'm like, great. I can already, I already know the tone where it's gonna be. That's why. You, that's why you always want the early games. Yeah. You, those two early games because you know you got them fresh. <laughs> yes. Or. Or, or smart officials or veteran officials only work three games, yep. you know? They'll work two or three games and they're done. And that, you got to honor that. You know what I mean? It's like, man, that, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's going to bust his butt for three games. It's, you're not going to get somebody with that much energy that's going to bust their butt up another court for eight games straight. It's no, it ain't going to work. Yeah. And Coach Bob, I know exactly who you're talking about. And when when that player came to me and said something like that, I my my response was always, "So were you better in the? Did you did you get better over the games? Were you better in the last game? Because if you played so many games, you should have gotten better, <laughs> right? Or did you play worse? I mean, what you know? No shot. I, is it really helping you? That was kind of my question." But I know exact, exactly who you're talking yeah, about. I you would, yeah. That's an ego thing right there, right? Well, and you're right. The parents, it's like a, it's like a badge of honor. It's like, yeah, oh, my kid playing on, you know, 47 teams this weekend. You know, like, okay, you know. Yeah, and then they anything, right? Just get three bring them to training. They bring them to training, and the and in training, they're dead. They're dead tired from playing so many dang games that they don't even want to be at training. Yeah. What's the so point? There's no point. It could be better. They're not getting any better, so. Yeah. And so let me ask you, let me throw this out there, because, you know, we've all got our opinions on, you know, if you should be playing for other teams or whatnot. Um, I, you know, when I'm, when I'm in full in coaching, I usually will take a couple months out, uh, and usually it's the back half of the summer, and I'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta recharge, and I'll coach my, you, you go 11, 11 months, but. What, what's what's your take on saying, hey, I'm taking August and August and September off, and and players come to me, well, can I go play for so and so team, such and such team? What's your take on that? I'm I'm all for that. That makes sense. That's just so dumb. If I'm like, who am I to say, hey, we're taking two months off, and by the way, no one is allowed to play with anybody. That's just <laughs> you're just setting yourself up to be yelled at and just get cussed at, you know. Um, 
uh, yeah, even, even during the time that we're off, like we take that month off or whatever, um, it, 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 and they want to play Hardwood Palace or with, um, you know, their local club or city team, by all means, go for it, you know? And, and, you know, and like we talked about getting injured, it sucked. It's happened to quite a few of my players where they go and play and they roll their ankle and it's like, they, they, they feel it. They're like, damn. And I'm like, oh, man, was it worth it? I mean, yeah, you can get injured with Co Coach Mel in the Hawaii Heat, but that's where you want to be injured when you're doing it with the team, you know? <laughs> not for somebody else. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all for that. That just that's just almost common sense or, you know, basketball or coaching 101, you know, like there's a lot of clubs. I know there's a lot of clubs that don't play as many, as much as we do. And they'll do like normally like a three months on couple months off, three months on. And yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, especially with younger kids, you know, they're into different sports. And so that helps out with their schedule. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense if you were to say, no, I don't want you to play with anybody else, but you always run the chance of them picking up bad habits and then coming to you after coaching them a certain style and a certain way. And you're like, dude, you're not boxing out. You know what we do here. You know what I mean? They get lazy or, you know, just the expectation is different. Every coach is different. So yeah. I'm now, this is, I'm going strictly by young kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. like older kids, like coach Tom, you know, he coaches older kids. They're just, they're smart. You know, they got higher basketball IQs. They, they can adjust, they can make adjustments, um, you know, working or, or playing for different coaches. You know, like I said, 8U to 12U, it's slim. It's really slim. Yeah. In my, I think my hardest, my biggest thing was um, when, when the kids got to, to, to middle school, the big adjustment for me as a coach was they would go and they play their middle school ball and that's, that's what they had to play. And they played from whatever, October to mid-December. You know, they take Christmas and then we get back at it in, in January. The hardest part for me, especially for kids that I had had for a while, is I had to break the habits that the, some of those, uh, those coaches put into them. And, and middle school ball is a whole different beast. Um, I have my opinions there as well. But they would come in and our practices were different. You know, we, we, our style of play was different. Our aggression level was much different. Um, and it, it took me as a coach about – a month really to get flush all that garbage out to run it out of them and really start to kind of get get them back into those and these are players that have played for me for a couple of years mm -hmm. so it, it, a player that maybe had only played for a, a few months it might take a little bit longer for me to get that back yeah i got to experience that uh especially when uh last season when all the not last season but two years ago when they're in seventh grade all my players went to go play middle school and then, you know, we had our first practice back and I'm like, all right, boys, control, alt, delete, control, <laughs> alt, delete. We're getting back into boxing out. All you guys are lazy. They're all watching. They're just not, they're not moving without the ball. It's like, what in the hell happened to you guys? And it was like, and it took longer than a month, coach. I'm like, man, you guys got to, you know what? <laughs> I warned my parents. I always warned my parents that you just wait middle school ball is a different beast it's completely yeah. different so the team that's I, coming back in january it's not the same team we have to we have to gear back up well i think you know sometimes they the parents want um that their expectation is from what they saw the group last right so if they were in aau last spring or something think of that 
and I was still building. The tough thing with like us in AAU, like for me, like right now, I don't really, I obviously count the season because it, you know, what we're going through, but even during like the spring, we only practice once or twice a week, right? So a lot of these middle schools or high schools, they really are with them either four or five days a week. Oh yeah. You know, practice right. Their game, right. So they're seeing them just as much as like us AU coaches. We see some of our players sometimes. And so, yeah, like you guys said, like, you know, even for my high school teams, sometimes we weren't rolling until like April, May, like when it's almost towards the very end of the season, because um, they had to work out all the kinks that they had just maybe had for the last three and a half, four months. Most, most of yeah. the time, most of the time those middle school kids are, are uh, having to relearn how to play man to man. Oh my God. <clears throat> Which is another podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah, that is. I had a story in Yuba actually when we played. Um, we were playing against a team that was older than us, and I believe they were from Red, Red, uh, is it Redland to a halt? And Road. that place closes down. I can facility MAP in Garden Grove, um, Ladera, and then you know that Mamba facility that just opened up like state of the art. Did you get a chance to play down there at all, Coach Tom? I have not, but I, I've heard about it. Man, we were going down there like two weekends before Kobe passed. And or, – or two weekends, I'm sorry. We were scheduled three weekends after he passed. And once he passed, everything just kind of went yeah. shut down. Uh, and um, we ended up canceling. They refunded our money. And then the whole – I think that was when COVID-19 started to hit. So we were going to – we were going to get scheduled to play, you know, the summer that was coming in. That didn't go through, but they had to refund our money, and it was just like, do we want to go back there when it, when we reopen? And it, it it's different. The reason why we're going there is because of the Mamba facility, and you know, and all that, you know, just the vibe. So you know, we got our money back, but yeah, it's just it, it was just it's it's a sad day for uh, youth basketball sports that the All American Sports Center in Anaheim, you know, closed down, and you know, it was in the Orange County Register and. I think, what was it? Coach, Coach um, Lance, you guys, was it Coach Lance or Coach Bob? You sent it to me or Coach Tom? That text with the... Oh, yeah, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, I was on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was super like, whoa, man, that was insane. So, yeah, shout out to the coaches. And I hope they're all doing good in their families because that was their, uh, you know, that was their, their way of living. They all graduated from uh, Chapman University out there and you know, entrepreneurs kicked in. They wanted to do something with youth basketball. And I mean, I remember going to their very, very first camp when Kainal was eight years old. And there was maybe 170 kids at that very first camp in Anaheim. And then they grew it to like 900 wow. kids. Wow. Kids. And uh, it was a, it was a big, it was a huge camp. I mean, there was a lot of like social media. You had, you know, middle school hoops TV that was there and, you know, that was, it was just a big, a big thing. And I feel every year they just got better and better, whether they added, you know, something new to the training and it was a process, but it took them a while to get where they were. And then to all of a sudden it stopped. It's like, oh man, that sucks. It's a big blow to SoCal uh, youth basketball. I mean, that's, that's huge. A huge part of it. Yeah. It was sad, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh I'm pretty much done with what I got to say for this topic, coaches. Any, anything else? Thoughts? No, I'm good. I think I got out what I needed to get out. 
<laughs> this is very uh, therapeutic. Therapeutic. Man, <laughs> so we almost, I guess feel better. We almost should have had a guest speaker and see what they felt like or if they played on multiple teams. Ah, like a player. Yeah. yeah. That would be an interesting perspective. This, yeah. this, that just sets ourselves up for another podcast with a guest on this topic. Okay. There's, there's a city called Redland, right? Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. It was, not it, it was a Redland. Yeah. There's a team from Redland, and, you know, it was like we were up by like six. It was a close game. So, like, maybe a minute, under a minute. And our boys were just being patient and running the offense. And this kid on the other team was just like, oh, is this what you guys are going to do? This you guys are going to hold the ball? Yeah, this is what he say. He's saying it out loud. I'm like, make an adjustment then. Tell your coach to make an adjustment. Maybe follow us. Stop the clock. I mean, you guys got to do something. Yeah. And uh, it, it just uh, – it kills me, man. <laughs> I just found it funny when, uh, when the kid was just mouthing off. And then at the end of the game, I shook his hand. And he said, hey, sorry about that, coach. And I said, oh, no worries, man. We're, we're just here working on stuff. And he says – he's all, yeah, but holding the ball in AAU. And I'm like, but you guys are playing a zone. Who plays 2-3 zone in AAU? Uh if you want to start talking about that. And then he was just like, I shut him up immediately. And he, here he is. I'm like, dude, we played man against you guys the whole game. And then you're going to, you're going to mouth off to us about who, who holds the ball. How about who plays zone two, three zone in AAU? Come on, man. This is when you just work on your man. Yeah. Who, who plays, who plays zone at all? If you're losing by six with oh, exactly. It's not even an extended zone. It's they're sitting inside the three-point line, and I'm with you, Coach. Yeah. I do the same thing. I'll pull the ball up, and I'll tell my point guard, hold it. Wait for them to come out. Wait for them to come mm -hmm. up and guard you. And until they come Break up, them out. hold it. Come on. Now, play. Let's play. Now, this is when you know the coach has no idea what he's doing because they are so fixed and mentally like stuck in a two, three zone that when the coach finally says after a minute goes by, get out, get out. They don't know what to do. Oh, They're and like, then, and then it's, it's the floodgates open. You're killing, yeah. you're scoring yeah. like crazy. So here do we go there and we're just moving the ball around. They're just running around like a bunch of kids with or chickens with their heads cut off. And it's like, man, and that's and something. And so then what do, you, what do you guys say in that situation? This may be getting away from the whole topic, though. What do you guys say in that situation when you're holding the ball and then, the, then everybody's saying, well, now, now you just want to win the game because you're holding the ball? I just want to play. Right. I want to play. Yeah. You know, get out and play. Teach your kids. You're sitting in the zone and me throwing the ball around. Is, you know, it's, we've done it all game, obviously. Now, out, so. It happens to us a lot where we're down. But as a coach, as a, you know, managing the game, foul, foul, call a timeout. You need to communicate to your players. Like, this is, this is you know, what, what is that saying? Like, basketball really starts, or, you, or coaching really starts in the last minute of the game or something like that. There's a saying. And it's like, um, that's, that's where your coaching skills come out, are those last minute, two minute, you're down by five. What? What are you going to do as a, as a coach to, to lead your team or give your team an opportunity to win the game? So as soon as we're down, I'm like, foul. And our boys, yeah. I mean, your boys, yeah. they know. They're just, boom, we're fouling. We're putting you at the line, making your free throws or missing. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I would say maybe, you know, 50 or 60% of the time, we're, we're getting our, giving ourselves an opportunity to win the game. Yeah. So 
that's all on the coach. That's all game management stuff too, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I agree that it's, it's all part of preparing your team for different situations. Huh? Well, just kind of like you said, if they're not, if they don't know what to do at the end of the game, when you, when, when you tell them get up on them, if they don't know what to do, then that's on, I think it's on you as a coach preparing your oh, team. Definitely. Poor preparation. Poor preparation. Yeah. This is a little bit off, off uh, subject, but I was just jotting this down, but I just wanted to give a, a shout out to the coaches over at the uh, all American sports center, you know, in Anaheim, they, uh, if you guys have heard out there, you know, our four listeners that are listening, they, uh, they had, uh, they had their lease, um, you know, terminated and uh, it's just uh, unfortunate. I know, you know, coach Max and coach Matt, uh, coach Miguel that, you know, gosh, started the open gym premiere and started, you know, pretty much, running their whole camps, the EBC camps, elite basketball circuit, all that from that, um, that facility out there in Anaheim. And I know Ladera and, you know, I don't think it's the Mamba facility anymore. I know they changed the number, the name, um, but I know they all kind of like worked together and, and it's just, uh, it's almost, it was kind of a little sad, sad day. You know, Kaino was extremely bummed because gosh, we've been going there ever since he was eight years old. And, you know, when I said they closed down, he was like, what do you mean they closed down? Like, it's, just, it's not open anymore. I go, it's not, dude. And he's just like, what? Because he did, you know, he's still young, though. But it didn't make sense to him. And I see how when things, when you're not making money and places have to close down, it happens, man. And he was super bummed. But I just, well, I wanted to give, I don't even know if coaches are going to be listening, but I just wanted to give them a shout out and, like, you know, just, like, tell them thanks for all the memories. And, you know, it just, it's unfortunate. And I can see. I mean, they're a powerhouse out in Southern California as far as, um, you know, the facility goes. I mean, they had professional athletes work out there. They had Division I colleges work out there. The Olympic volleyball team worked out there. So it's like – and then, of course, the numerous volleyball tournaments, which is way bigger than AAU basketball, in my opinion. Um, I guess we'll uh, end episode two. Um, players playing for multiple teams. And uh, thank you uh, – Coach Tom Tran, Coach Lance O'Hara, Coach Bob Mack uh, for all the takes on this subject. We appreciate all our five listeners out there. <laughs> well, we got no, another one. We got one. We got one. All right. <laughs> episode, uh, episode two is uh, in the wraps. We're going to leave you with a coaching, I guess you can say, quote of the day. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say the first one. This is one that I would always tell my boys, and I don't even – I don't, honestly, I don't think I heard it from somebody. And I, I don't want to say I made it up because maybe I heard it and I just kind of said it, but I remember saying it to Renee um, about, because I was always gone all the time coaching and she was just like, man, you're just so into this and you know, you need to make more time. And you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the coaching lifestyle, you know, when you have a significant other and you're coaching youth basketball and your time is gone. But I would always tell my boys this too. In order to have success, you have to be obsessed. And that's just not for basketball. That's just in everyday life. Like if you want to be the best at your job and you're working, you have to be a little obsessed with getting yourself better. And that's the same thing with uh, sports, especially, you know, you know, my boys with basketball. In order you, and if you want success, you got to be obsessed. So you got to be obsessed to train. You got to be obsessed to working out. You got to be obsessed to want to get better if you want that success and I think a lot of kids nowadays 
they want the success, but they don't want to be obsessed with the working out and the training and being consistent. That's the most important part. So that's my uh, coaching quote of the day. So with that being said, coaches, um, I want to thank you all. I want to thank all of our listeners. Episode two is in the books.